everyone, and welcome to Chapter 1 of The Lure of a Traitor. Natalie Locke stared up at the 4th Precinct Metropolitan Police Station. The building was massive, as it should be. There was a reason the 4th Precinct was the best in the city. The station had everything needed to keep their officers in perfect condition. There was an Olympics-quality workout gym on the first floor of the basement, while the ground floor contained the station's garage. It was staffed by mechanics 24 hours a day in order to eliminate outsourced vehicle maintenance, saving valuable time by keeping officers on the roads. The entire second story of the building was a giant conference room with collapsible walls that could be used for debriefing or recertification courses. This particular feature was utilized by every precinct in the city, as was the gun range. The second level of the basement was set up about the same as a bowling alley, but automated targets replaced the pins. Every officer in the city completed their weapons proficiency tests here. Natalie sighed, swallowed her discomfort, and nervously climbed the steps. It was her first day at a new job, with new people and new expectations for handling the same old bullshit. At her old precinct, she'd been the lieutenant. She'd been respected, feared even. Here, she was nothing more than an ordinary police officer. The demotion and transfer were devastating, but at least she didn't have to work with her abuser anymore. Seeing him every day had certainly damaged her mental stability. She stepped through the white marble building's glass doors and walked up to the secretary's desk, introducing herself with as much confidence as she could muster. Hi, I'm Officer Natalie Locke. It's my first day and I'm not sure where I need to go. Sign here. The man looked completely bored as he handed her a clipboard through the bulletproof glass cage in which his desk was located. It was only 5.30 in the morning. How could he already be so unenthused with his job? He spoke in a flat monotone as he typed away on his computer. Looks like you've been assigned to... Sergeant Hale. She couldn't blame the company for utilizing him so much. He was a marketer's wet dream. The man was beyond gorgeous. Tall, striking features, naturally tan from his Latino heritage, and positively rippling with muscles. Not exactly her type, but she had admired him for his charisma during their days at the police academy together. Natalie couldn't help but wonder if he'd remember her. Don't be surprised when he's not what you're expecting, the secretary warned breaking her from her thoughts as he slowly stood, swiping his key beside the door. Hale's a fucking prick, and don't get too close to him, or that damn lizard of his will light your hair on fire. That doesn't surprise me too much. Natalie thought about the beautiful little dragon that was always pictured with Hale. She'd been fond of the little beast from the first time she'd seen him stick his copper-colored head out of Hale's cadet cap during an inspection. He wasn't born blind. I'm sure the experience has taken a toll. The secretary snorted. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. But I'd advise you not to pry. His temper is shorter than a hooker's skirt. I'll keep that in mind. Natalie smiled, happy to know that the sense of humor in this station was no different than the last. 
She'd been worried that she'd be too crude for the topped precinct in the city. Many of the male officers eyed her hungrily as she trailed through the office behind the older man. She was used to it, but that didn't mean she liked it. Her rank at the last job had given her power to put an end to the staring, but here she would have to deal with it. Natalie glared right back at them, her hard gaze causing most of them to snap back to their work. Natalie looked them over, surprised by what she saw. It would be easy for her to kick half of these men's asses in hand-to-hand combat. One officer, a little on the larger side, dropped his jelly donut as she walked by, leaving a powder sugar imprint on his dark red uniform. She rolled her eyes and kept walking. Why did they even keep people like that on the force? Zack! The secretary knocked on the hardwood frame of Sergeant Hale's office door. I got the new transfer from two for you. And what the fuck am I supposed to do with her? The sergeant spat from within. Natalie couldn't help but scowl. It was strange to hear such a sentence come from the same voice that positively encouraged people to outshine stigmas over the radio. Don't ask me. Captain said she was your trainee. The secretary tossed up his hands and turned to leave, whispering to her as he left. Good luck, toots. Natalie sighed and stepped inside the office. Hale was dressed in civilian clothing, leaning back in his chair. He had his feet propped up on his desk and his hands folded over his lower chest. His hair was disheveled and unkempt, and he had several days' worth of scruff growing on his jaw. The man obviously didn't give a shit about anything. She didn't say a word, curious to know if the rumors were true. The shiny dragon that lay about his shoulders looked over her with intense scrutiny, wrapping his little body protectively about his human. She noticed that Hale's head tilted slightly into the small creature before he spoke, as if listening to him. Are you going to stop ogling me and introduce yourself, or what? He looked right at her, his unseeing icy blue eyes boring through her. Natalie Locke. She said her name and that was all, still examining the creature. The little dragon was no bigger than a common house cat, and just as attractive as his owner. His copper-colored scales shone brighter than a new penny in the false fluorescent light, sparkling with each breath he took. Never seen a dragon before? Hale sat up, and the little creature glared at her. The two of them were obviously very close. Dragons are incredibly prideful creatures, and typically hated their owners, preferring freedom to pethood. For this one to act in such ways, it must truly love Hale. I have, she admitted, but not one as beautiful as him. His pictures don't do him enough justice, Hale snorted. (laughs) Flattery will get you a long way with a dragon, Miss Locke, but not with me. Have a seat, and stop staring at him. He doesn't like it. She obeyed on both accounts, switching her attention to the task at hand. Just a warning, I'm not used to being a low-ranking officer, so I apologize if I speak out of turn. That's right, 
Hale's hand hovered over his desk for a split second before confidently picking up a folder that had her name written on it. Your transfer came with a hefty demotion. What exactly are you running away from? Excuse me? She shouldn't have been surprised. The man before her had also been a lieutenant before getting injured in the line of duty. The commissioner didn't just hand out the position. It had to be earned. Sergeant Hale was highly intelligent. Only someone who's desperate takes a job that's barely a fraction of the pay they were making before. He opened her file, gently fingering the lower right corner of the papers within before flipping directly to the page that listed her reasoning for the transfer. Being closer to family isn't that important. What risks are you bringing along with you, Miss Locke? What dangers are following you? Avoidance was one of her many talents, so she chose now to use it. Your dragon can read? The little lizard's head snapped up, his eyes examining her intently as confusion washed over Hale's face. You can hear him? Yes, she admitted. I've always been able to hear them, though I've never gotten the pleasure of truly interacting with one before. Why wasn't that in your file? He looked mad. Because my previous captain deemed it an unnecessary talent, she replied. Ha! Hale slammed her file closed and stood. Captain Corvus is an idiot. No, you stay. Natalie had barely moved to stand when he snapped his fingers at her. She watched him leave the office, his footfalls never faltering or showing any signs of uncertainty. As she settled back into the chair, she thought about how the little beast had been communicating with him. The dragon had directed Hale's hand over her file, read to him the exact facts he was looking for, and described every movement she'd made from the moment she'd stepped into the office. Close didn't even begin to describe the relationship the pair had. The man probably saw her talent as an invasion of his privacy, just as she'd seen his questioning. She looked at her file on his desk. There were a lot of things about her that wouldn't be in there, and she wanted it that way. She'd had Captain Corvus's secretary comb through the document before sending it out, picking out details Natalie wanted hidden. Her new co-workers didn't need to know about her demons, about how he'd given a speech as the top student in their class. He'd encouraged each of them to always defy the odds and work towards their goals to achieve their dreams and strive to make the world a safer place for everyone in it. She also thought about how he'd talked through the whole ceremony, nearly missing his cue to get up and give said speech. He'd been such a happy person back then. Get out! Hale spoke with the authority of someone ranking higher than himself as he stepped back into his office. Yes, sir. Natalie stood and obliged making eye contact with the little dragon once more. Hello. Hi. His voice was raspy, scraping against the back of her skull like crinkled tinfoil against metal. Don't talk to my dragon. Hale's tone held a sinister warning. Or me, for that matter. She rolled her eyes, winked at the lizard, and left. At least the secretary hadn't lied. Sergeant Zachariah Hale was a fucking prick. 
As he slammed the door behind her, Natalie looked around. Everyone had their eyes cast down, pretending to mind their own business. How annoying. Natalie planted her hands on her hips and summoned the authority of her previous lieutenant's position. Can someone show me around this shithole? Sergeant Jackass in there wasn't exactly the most helpful. I can. Jelly Donut Boy stepped up to bat. The shadow of his fallen prey still lingered faintly on his uniform. Piss off, Burns. A younger officer with an impressive mustache got out of his chair. If she needs advice on where to find the vending machine, we'll call you. Hi, I'm Officer Laws. Please tell me you're kidding. Natalie raised an eyebrow, hoping the poor man's name was a joke. Nope. Full name is Lawrence Laws. He sighed as he shook her hand. My dad did it so he could call me Lala. Real sweet guy. Sounds like it. Natalie couldn't help but laugh. Well, Lala, lead the way. She followed the younger man through the office. He helped her register for a key card and pick up her new badge and gun. She scowled down at the plain silver shield. It was ugly compared to the ornate gold and blue lieutenant's badge she'd been carrying for the past five years. This sucked. Oh, that should about cover it. Officer Laws brushed his hands of imaginary dirt, turning to smile at her as she tucked the badge into her pocket. Anything else you need help with? Uniforms? She asked without looking at the young man. Yep. He spun on his heel. You'll definitely be needing some of those. This way. She followed him downstairs to a storage room. He unlocked it and let her in. Just pick two that are in your size. You know, Natalie was having trouble processing the events of the morning thus far. Everything here seems highly unorganized compared to the second precinct. That's just because Zack decided to throw a monkey wrench into the operation. Officer Laws watched her with little interest as she picked out the garments. He's known you were coming for a week now, and this is how he decided to protest. He always has to make a spectacle of everything. The coffee pot could be half empty, and he'd bitch about how no one ever makes coffee but him. It's been my experience. Natalie folded clothes over her arm and picked up a pair of shoes and a belt, heading for the field gear next. That individuals who act like that are just unhappy. Yeah, I guess. Officer Law shrugged. But in the grand scheme of things, he has so little to complain about. He can't get past what's got him vexed. She spoke from a place of understanding. Most people can't. You'll make detective in no time. Laws smiled at her warmly. I should hope so, she snorted. It took me nearly six years to get there last time. I'm too old for that shit. You were a detective? He looked confused. Worse. She carried her load of goods out the door. I was a lieutenant. Christ! He backed away from her as though she were a leper. What happened? I learned the hard way not to trust my friends. Natalie switched topics. Where do I go for assignments? If she got put on parking violations, she'd scream. Betty, but maybe we should stop by the locker room first. He eyed her full arms. 
They traveled up to the second floor where Lawrence had to find someone to let her into the woman's locker room. Men's keys don't allow access. He waved his key card around before taking off to find another female officer. Thank God for that, Natalie thought as she watched him scamper off, returning a few minutes later with an older, gruff-looking woman. I'm Beth. She shook Natalie's hand and opened the locker room door. Nice to meet you, kid. Likewise, ma'am. Natalie knew that correcting people as old as this woman was wasn't worth the breath. Everyone was a kid compared to her. Natalie followed her inside where she was shown an empty locker and given a lock and key. She decided to quickly get dressed, finding comfort in the familiarity of a uniform. Her old one was made exactly the same, but had been a bright powder blue. She'd actually chosen the second precinct because of their beautiful uniforms. The dark mauve she now wore seemed to suit her transition from a bright and enthusiastic youth to a well-seasoned and experienced almost 30-year-old. Natalie quickly put her hair up in a tight bun and exited the locker room. Well, shit! Laws laughed as he took in her appearance. I don't think I've ever seen the uniform look quite that good. <laughs> Easy there, stud. She adjusted her collar. Not only are you too young for me, but I can totally see that ring on your finger. My wife would likely agree with me. He laughed and turned to continue on the journey. You definitely don't look your age. I suppose I should say thank you. Natalie had come to loathe any compliment that involved her looks. To the young man's credit, he could read women pretty well. He quickly changed the topic. So, got any hobbies? Not really, she shrugged. I was kind of married to the job. Gotcha, he nodded slowly. Then you'll fit in great here. None of us seem to actually leave when our shifts are over. That's the nature of the job. She smiled at him. So, what are the key problems in this precinct? Well, aside from the usual drugs, gangs, and illegal trading of mythicals, we seem to have a rising issue with black magic-infused goods showing up in the impoverished parts of our district, he explained. Damn, that seems to be happening everywhere. Natalie bit her thumbnail. I've been dealing with the black market ring in the second precinct before I'd put in my transfer. Got any useful information? Laws looked so hopeful. It must be a really big issue in this area, too. No, she lied. I had at least a thousand dead ends. Whoever is initiating the sales is practically unknown. Any leads I got always came back to falsified names. He sighed. Yeah, that's what we've run into as well. They walked in silence for a moment before Natalie decided to ask a question. What's the deal with Hale's dragon? Copper? Laws was clearly wondering what rock she'd been living under. He's had him since he was a kid. Since Hale was blinded, the little guy's been acting as his eyes. Hale doesn't make a move without Copper's guidance. That's why he's allowed to have him in the office. Not that it mattered much before. I heard Hale used to sneak him in under his uniform all the time. I've just never seen a dragon so close to their owner before. She admitted. It's nice. Yeah, they're not really very loving creatures. Laws agreed. I used to have one. My mom sold it after it lit the house on fire. <laughs> that seems to be a common complaint. Natalie chuckled. People really should do their research before getting such beasts. 
Hell, most people can't even handle a dog, let alone a fire-breathing lizard. You know, I heard there was a way to remove their flint. He gently touched his throat. But I imagine that can't be comfortable for them. Either way, don't get too close to Copper. He has a tendency to be as grouchy as his owner. They must be cut from the same cloth. Natalie was already determined to talk to the creature. Any chance you know what his favorite snack is? Are you seriously going to try and bribe the man's pet? Laws looked her over apprehensively. I may have to slap Hale one day, she smiled. I want to make sure I don't get singed in the process. That man seriously spoils him. As he should. Natalie may have thought the man a prick, but she admired him for taking such good care of his companion. Dragons are insanely particular. One as loyal as that should be pampered. I suppose. Anyway, here's Betty. Laws pointed to an older woman that sat behind a sterile steel desk, sifting through paperwork. I need to head home. The missus is probably wondering where I'm at. Natalie felt bad for taking up his time. I didn't know your shift had ended. I'm sorry. No biggie. He waved her off. Have a good day, Miss Locke. You too. She waved goodbye and stepped up to the desk, introducing herself to Betty. You were supposed to be here an hour ago. The older woman scowled at Natalie over her glasses. Showing up to work late isn't a good practice, Miss Locke. Unfortunately, Natalie corrected her, I've been here for an hour and fifteen minutes. Sergeant Hale was reluctant to show me around, so I had to improvise. The woman snorted. <laughs> they saddled you with that mess of a man? Oh, honey, you're basically on your own. He doesn't help anyone. I noticed. Natalie took her daily assignment from the woman and groaned. Parking violations. Zack set his keys down in the bowl beside his door and shucked his coat as Copper took off to check on his hoard. It was just a small pile of shiny things the little dragon collected over the years. Some of value, most worthless fragments of glittery god knows what, but it meant a lot to the little creature. Zack could hear him rolling around in it. Normally, the sound made him smile, but not today. Today, he'd met someone who could potentially take Copper from him, and that was terrifying. Copper was Zack's lifeline. He needed him to survive. He sighed and headed for the kitchen, carefully counting out the steps he took in each direction. Zack had his entire apartment memorized. He'd tried to memorize the station, but it was too versatile. People always moved their wastebaskets into walkways or forgot to push in their chairs. He set his freshly purchased groceries down on the kitchen table and reached into the fridge for a beer, popping the tab and knocking it back. As the can emptied, he crushed it and grabbed another, pulling his cell phone out of his pocket. He hated feeling insecure, weak. He needed a distraction. Zack pressed the home button. Call John. He heard Copper instantly stop rolling around and held up his phone to his ear. He heard Copper instantly stop rolling around as he held up the phone to his ear. The man's voice crackled through the speaker after the third ring. Hey, handsome, what's up? Come over. Zack pulled the tab on his new can. Can I bring a friend? The man sounded hopeful, 
Zack usually didn't want strangers in his home, or his mouth for that matter, but tonight he welcomed the additional attention. Just make sure he's clean. You got it, babe, John chuckled. <laughs> Be there in 20. Zack smoothed his thumb over the hard plastic cover of his phone, finding the hole that was located over the end call button and tossed it onto the counter. He'd regret that later when he couldn't find it, but then again, he was likely going to regret this entire night. Why do you do this? Zack heard his dragon land on the kitchen table beside him. I'm allowed to have sex, copper. He chugged a second beer and reached for a third. I won't disagree with you. Copper sounded exhausted. They'd only had this conversation a million times. But it's Monday, Zack. Is the hangover and soreness going to be worth it? Just because he couldn't see didn't mean he wanted others to think he was a slob. By the time the knock came at the door, he was feeling the full effects of the alcohol. Being a lightweight had its advantages. Zack pulled his shirt over his head and unbuttoned his jeans as he walked out into the living room. No need for pretenses. He had invited the men over for a quick fuck, not a date. Come in. He heard Copper growl as the door opened. Knock it off. Hey, handsome. John's voice came first. Holy shit. A man he didn't know came second. John said you were hot, but damn. He heard them approach, and a hand gently cupped his jaw before someone's lips met his. It was John. Zack knew his aftershave well. He kissed him back before taking the man's hand and leading him into the bedroom. The stranger closed the door behind them. Zack could hear them removing their clothes, so he took off his remaining garments and stepped towards John. A pair of strange hands were suddenly on him. Firmly grasping his hips as an equally unfamiliar mouth crashed into his. The man tasted like stale cigarettes. Zack instantly regretted saying yes to the friend. John knew what he liked and disliked. This guy only seemed to care about his own needs. An hour later, the pair left him sore, swollen, sticky, and unsatisfied. The stranger had been too rough for Zack to actually enjoy what was happening. John had tried several times to get the man to be gentle, or not to grab at Zack, but he hadn't listened. The last straw that had caused Zack to end the fun was when the man forced himself into Zack's mouth without his permission. He pulled John aside as they left. I don't want him coming back here. I didn't know he was going to be so aggressive, Zack. John sounded genuinely sorry. I've never seen him act like that. Don't ask to bring others over again. Zack let go of John's arm and headed for the shower. Get him out of my home before a sick copper on him. Sure thing. John sighed as Zack heard him walk away. Come on, that dragon is lethal. Hang on. Zack heard the strange man approach him. You can't seriously tell me you didn't enjoy that. Dude, don't, John warned him. To be honest, I would have rather fucked a rhino, Zack scoffed. At least it would have smelled better. What did you just say to me? A freak like you should be grateful anyone would want to fuck him. Zack felt the man roughly grab his forearm. He'd had enough of this guy acting like he was entitled to his body. Zack delivered a swift kick to the stranger's abdomen, 
kneeing him in the face as he doubled over. I said you're a lousy lay. As for being grateful, I'm grateful for the fact that I don't know what you look like, though I imagine the sight of you is just as disappointing. Now get the fuck out. You son of a bitch! You broke my nose! The man came up swinging. Zack heard the swish of his jacket's fabric and dodged the oncoming fist, forcing his own directly into the man's throat. And now I broke your larynx! Zack grabbed him by the hair as he crumpled, hoping his eyes were glaring at the offending stranger. Don't make me break your neck, too. The man coughed several times as John hauled him to his feet. I'm sorry about this, Zack. I'll see you around, okay? Whatever. Zack turned his back to them. Copper, lock the door when they're gone. I should have locked it before they ever came in. Copper sounded annoyed. He was always annoyed when Zack invited John over, though. The lizard should just be happy he didn't call Stefani. Zack headed towards the shower. He wanted to wash the evidence of his most recent mistake from his skin. The hot water burned, but he didn't care. At least not until he tried to clean himself. That ended up being far more painful than he'd anticipated. He was going to be incredibly sore tomorrow. Zack stayed under the stream for at least an hour trying his damnedest not to think about anything. Unfortunately, the dissatisfaction of his escapade left Zack desiring release. He hated having to take care of this issue on his own. He always ended up thinking about his ex. Zack eventually gave in and just did it, angry that he couldn't get the man's image out of his mind. Out of all the things he'd forgotten over the years, that bastard's face wasn't one of them. The way the sun shone off water, his sister's smile, the color of copper scales. He'd kill to have those things back. Those were pleasant things. Things that brought him joy. But he couldn't have those. No, his stupid brain tossed those memories out like garbage and kept the images that caused him the most pain. By the time Zack got out of the shower, he hated himself. This self-loathing was doubled when he remembered that he had a mess to clean up. Copper was right. This shit wasn't worth it. Why did he keep doing this? Why couldn't he stop? He knew it was wrong. He knew how it always made him feel. But he kept doing it. Just like he kept taking the drugs that were in his nightstand. He reached for the drawer. Stopping himself. Not tonight. He couldn't afford to get high tonight. Not with a proficiency test tomorrow. He sighed and set about cleaning up his room. Zack found a pair of sweatpants and stripped his bed, stuffing the manky sheets into his hamper before retrieving new ones from the closet. Everything in his home had its place. It had to. Variation led to delays or injuries. Zack was a fan of neither. He opened his bedroom window to get rid of the smell of sex and carefully redressed the bed. When he was satisfied it was made properly, he opened the bedroom door and climbed between the sheets. Copper came in a few minutes later and curled up on the pillow beside him. So, no dinner tonight? Copper asked, gently nudging his human's cheek. He hated having to remind Zack of such a thing, knowing that he could have taken care of it himself, but the little dragon was afraid that the man would fall into a habit of forgetting about him. Such a thought was terrifying. 
Zack groaned and lifted himself out of the bed. He wasn't going to eat, but Copper needed to be fed. He carefully made his way to the kitchen and reached into the fridge, confusion washing over him when he didn't feel the salmon he'd bought on the way home. He felt the rest of the shelves, more confusion. Copper, he called. Why is the fridge empty? Because you were too busy getting drunk and dialing your booty call to put the groceries away? Copper's response set him off. Fuck! Zack slammed the refrigerator's door and spun, feeling the table behind him for the paper bag. He knew the fish was bad by now. It had been sitting out without refrigeration for at least three hours. He found the bag and dug around inside. All of it was warm. Eggs, steak, chicken, fish. He questioned if the vegetables would even be safe. This was the straw that broke his emotional resolve. Zack grabbed the bag and threw it, scattering the groceries across the kitchen, letting out a frustrated scream as he tossed a chair and a few other small things he couldn't identify. After a few moments, Zack ran a shaky hand through his hair and leaned on the table, hanging his head as he tried to calm his temper. I'm sorry, Copper. Sardines it is. Zack heard him land on the kitchen counter and push open the drawer where they were kept. The little dragon's sharp teeth clinked against the metal of the can as he picked it up. A second later, Copper landed on the table, his sharp talons scraping against the wood as he dropped the can before his human. Open it. I'll pick up the mess. Zack grabbed the tin, feeling for the key to pry the top back. His first tear hit the back of his hand as his fingers brushed against the small metal loop. He tried to ignore it, opening the sardines and setting them aside. He was going to start picking up the groceries, but as he turned to do so, an intense wave of emotion washed over him. Zack quickly found one of the chairs that were still at the table and sat down, burying his face in his hands as frustrated sobs racked his body. He hadn't cried like this in a long time. Seeing his human's distress, Copper hastily skittered across the linoleum to be by his side. The creature quickly climbed into his lap and stretched up, careful not to scratch Zack as he pushed against his chest. Zack, breathe! Copper nuzzled his face into his human's neck. We need to find someone to help you. This is, this is getting out of hand. What happens when I lose my job, Copper? Zack sniffed, hugging his companion gently. The police department isn't going to let me stay when they find out I'm gone completely insane. They damn near fired me after I lost my sight. Lord knows the emotion I received was embarrassing enough. Stop. Copper tried his best to comfort him. You and I both know you're not insane. You just need guidance. You can't keep living like this. I can't keep living like this. I hate seeing you in pain, but I can't help you. I've tried, Zack. This is beyond what I'm capable of. It's beyond what any general human is capable of. Please, call the department's therapist. You're right. God, you're always right, copper. After my test tomorrow, Zack promised, swiping at his face as he sniffed back tears. 
but I'm not using the department's shrink. I'll, um, I'll call a private practice. Copper looked him over. His human was a mess, and he blamed himself for it daily. If he hadn't fallen asleep that day, things would have been different. He could have stopped everything that led up to Zack's blinding. Copper nuzzled Zack's tear-stained face and snuggled back into him. He was hungry, but he would stay there as long as his human needed him to. Copper really hoped Zack would go through with his promise this time. He was getting worse every day, and the little dragon was so scared of losing him. Zack groaned and sat up, slowly releasing the lizard from his embrace. I'll clean the mess. You, um, you eat. Copper hesitated before leaving his lap. He wasn't excited about the sardine dinner, especially when he'd been expecting salmon, but it was food. He knew Zack would make it up to him tomorrow. His human was good about things like that. Copper climbed onto the table as Zack stood and walked over to the small pile of groceries the dragon had managed to gather before he started crying. His bare foot touched the styrofoam-packed meat, and he lowered himself to the floor, feeling around for more items. As he ate, Copper watched his human slowly clean up the mess he'd made. The dragon thought about the woman they'd met that morning. He'd never met anyone other than Zack that could hear him before. He knew he should wait to see if she was trustworthy, but Copper wanted to talk to her. He wanted to see if he could use her to help Zack. The little dragon didn't care about the man's job. He cared about his life. Zack was his whole world. When they settled into bed, Zack reached into his nightstand, pulling out a small plastic baggie. Copper watched intently as his human felt the item, groaning in frustration when he realized it was empty. The dragon would never tell him that he'd thrown the pills out while Zack was in the shower. He gazed at the man sadly, watching him toss the baggie into the bedside trash can before angrily pulling the quilt up over his head. Copper made himself a promise. If Zack didn't seek out help tomorrow, he was going to do it for him. He'd wanted to all these years, but had never had the means to do so. That lock woman, she was the key to making it happen. This concludes chapter one of The Lure of a Traitor. I hope you return next week for chapter two. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.